Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Matt Rice. And I'm Chris Bartlett, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for a long freaking time, and we have just about had it. No, no, no. We've just about seen it all. As damaged as we are, we are ready to dive in and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Chris, why might we just about have had it? You know, I am experiencing another wave of where I've gone to a, a mission trip recently, and I saw the policy monster right over override pastoral ministry. Yep. And so some sometimes, sometimes safe environment policies or ethics and integrity policies or whatever those policies are that, that dictate interaction between adults and minors in your diocese, sometimes it feels like they don't have Christ's heart in mind, but it has a lawyer's heart in mind. Yep. And I, I think that that creates a dangerous precedent um, because even in its presentation, this can come forward. Right. Yeah. And so, so I, well, I, I mean, feel, if, no matter yeah. what, like it, it's not if, if that is the motivation that will come forward. Like if the reason for you doing something like whatever it is, no matter what it is in your life, whatever the reason is for you doing something that will come out. Does that make sense? Yes. So if the reason for you like doing something is to protect your butt, you know, and to keep the lawyers happy, then when you present that to people, that's going to come out. There's no way you can like manipulate unless you're just that <laughs> much of a manipulator that you can completely lie to a whole room of people. Um, that that truth is going to come out. And and sometimes and and I want to I want to start with a disclaimer. First of all, follow all of your diocesan policies. Let's repeat that. Follow, follow all yeah. of your diocesan policies. Follow your diocesan policies. We're not saying that you should violate the policies, even the ones that seem to miss the pastoral realities that stand before you. But I think there are some ways that we can go about advocating for better policies to exist. But I think the culture of fear that often comes out of these trainings or these policies and their deliverance um, leaves no room for dialogue. And that's not, that's not right. That's not okay. And so we need to start advocating, ministry leaders. We need to rise up and start advocating for policies that meet the needs that stand before us. I, I get frustrated because I feel like there are situations where ministry leaders sit, called by virtue of their baptism to serve and share the gospel, and they hesitate because they feel like they need to ask a policy permission to share what God has commanded them to do by virtue of their baptism. Absolutely. Yeah, the, uh, it's, it's crazy how you second-guess yourself in ministry. Oh, should I do this? Like you, and you, feel, you feel called to go and serve in a certain way. And appropriate, you know, uh, uh, according to everybody's eyes and measure. But you second-guess yourself like, well, should I do that? And then you like you actually feel like you need to call the diocese and say, "Is it okay for me to do this?" All the while, ministry is not getting done. So let me let me lead in with a story. The diocese created a new video for um, the training. The new training video came out. My wife and I got to see it with the coordinator of the whole diocesan safe environment office present during the screening. And at the end of the video, my wife and I walked up to the front. And I just shared some concerns. I said, you know, of the six examples that they used in the, uh, the discussion, four of the six were youth ministers. And three of those four were, no, I think it was actually all four were male youth ministers. And my wife just interrupted me at that point and said, 
My husband feeds our family with this job, and this video makes it seem like he is a pedophile, and that's simply not the case, and it threatens his ability to provide for my children. And it was just like, whoa. And so, <laughs> so the lasting impact of the video that we experienced was male youth ministers are predators. That was the lasting impact. All the other examples, which were two others, one was like a volunteer, but none of them were clergy. None of them were like any of these other leaders, and none of them were general ministry leadership positions, right? And so it felt very targeted, and we addressed it. And guess what happened? It led to a dialogue. And that person invited me on when they were redoing the videos about two years ago and brought me into the room, and it led to a dialogue. And so our advocacy, which is one of the components of ministry we have to take seriously, our advocacy led to change in our diocese because we had to have some healthy conflict surrounding what was lacking or what was not appropriate. And I remember being in that room, and they were saying, we have to make sure that people know you can't touch youth in this way. You can't touch minors in this way. And I'm like, great. And then could we shift and have a slight section on what are appropriate ways to have positive physical touch in the life of those that we serve? Because that's vital as well. And it was like an eye opened, you know, like what? Oh, yeah, that'd be a great idea. Instead of just saying the don'ts, why don't we also empower them with positive actions, positive pastoral, pastoral physical actions? And it was really neat to see that shift with just another voice in the room. Be that voice at your diocese. Well, and we, we all get this sense that, you know, we have no power or no influence. Um, maybe we actually don't have any power, but, you know, we have no influence, you know, at the diocesan level because I'm just this little ministry leader in my local parish. Um, but they, like, they actually do take your input, at least most, most of them will take your input and, and adapt from that um, because they, they don't know what it's, they don't typically know what it's like on the ground in the parishes. And so if you go and, and you explain to them without just like screaming and yelling and, you know, criticizing, if you go with a thought out argument and letting them know how this actually affects you on the ground, then the, the likelihood of them listening to you is pretty high, you know, at least taking it into consideration. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, uh, those that I've encountered at the diocese are outstanding ministry leaders. Um, that are just at a different angle of ministry, and they have to think about a, a different breath. Because I remember being at the diocese, and we talked about redoing the website. And there was a concern because there are parishes in our diocese that are still on dial-up. And this was like eight years ago. But eight years ago, dial-up is still a problem, you know? And, and how, do you serve, how do you serve such a wide variety of people, a wide variety of parishes, when you've got some very affluent parishes that, you know, have flying cars, and then other parishes that are still, you know, <laughs> churning their own butter? You know, so it's like, how, how do you do that? They have to keep these things in mind, and sometimes the policies that seek to be catch-all simply can't be. And so that's where advocacy takes place. Um, another concern of mine is uh, I've, I've been out to Catholic Heart Work Camp and a couple other of those combined mission trips where you get to see all these other policies from other dioceses come together. And I've encountered safe environment policies that absolutely separate the adults from the teens in almost every scenario you can imagine, except when you're in big group or in the gym or the cafeteria or something like that. And I've seen the videos where they share about how half or more of abuse comes from their own peer group, right? This is a problem when we say, okay, a lot of abuse happens from their own peer group, and we have to separate the adults from the teens. 
which creates a scenario, or the adults from the minors, which creates a scenario where it's like, you know, Lord of the Lord of the Flies going on in one room, and <laughs> yeah. then all the adults are on another room, and it's like, well, just peek in on them occasionally, but don't go into the room. You can only peek into the room, or whatever, whatever the policy states to have that caveat so that lawyer was happy. You know, it's a dangerous situation. And so are we actually protecting the teens if we're leaving them completely unattended? And I would argue no, especially with bowling and other things like that. It actually is creating a Petri dish of danger. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like, and even, um, what was it in, in Everett Fritz's book, he quoted a study and I don't know the study. So this is an indirect quotation, but just the amount of time that teens spend with adults is is ridiculous. Like we, the society has completely separated adults from youth. Um, it's I think it's four percent, you know, of a teenager's time on average is spent with their parents, and two percent on average is spent with another adult. And it, and that's just um, like for us to be contributing to that, separating adults from teens, um, is is not good. They need to be able to see an adult. Um, I guess discipline. A group of uh, of kids to see the adults stand up for when they need to, um, and if the adults aren't in the room to do that, then you're you're completely missing all that. Right. And so, what does a safe environment truly look like? And that is how we discipline, not if we discipline. How we engage these type of activities, how we navigate those things, is what creates a safe environment. How you address bullying in a youth program, it creates that safe environment to let the teens know this, this behavior will not stand. This is not okay. And so then everyone's like, okay, then I can be myself because I won't get bullied because someone's here to protect me. You know, and, and our policy, our program is called protecting God's children. And I love the title and I love the intro to it, but sometimes in the middle, in the past, it's gotten a little bit of uh, I want everyone to be afraid I want everyone to be afraid. And a lot of times that culture of fear carries over into how ministry is done. So that's a challenge. So now what, what exactly do we do about this? The other thing is, is I, I don't know, I don't necessarily want to just say let's, we can wait it out because, I don't know, whenever I have to like strongly discipline my kids, I might go a little far over, further over than I would have gone just in reaction. You know, so looking at what the church needed to do for, for multiple reasons, um, she may have needed to overreact, whether it's to send a signal to the potential perpetrators out there or send a signal to her flock to say, hey, guys, we take your safety seriously. Um, but I, I, I would agree that, that it probably has gone too far to where ministry is, is being hindered. But but do I think that she shouldn't have gone to that extreme? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I think she probably did the right thing. You, you know, you make a really good point, and I, I would agree. I wouldn't say too far. I would say not far enough, uh, because I feel like it's incomplete. It's uh, it, it it's it's too much on the the fear and the don'ts, and not enough on the empowerment and the do. So how do we how do we positively engage? Instead, it's like what's ne- negative behaviors to avoid? It's the Ten Commandments without the Beatitudes. That's that's what it is, you know. And we need the we need the Beatitude side of it, even if it's another. Oh, I hate to say this out loud. Even if it's another workshop that we have to go to. <laughs> Empowerment. Not another workshop. I know, but but people walk away from those things oftentimes really gun-shy, really gun-shy, and yet by virtue of their baptism, they're called to serve the gospel. 
You know, and so the questions that we need to be asking is not if we can do something, but how. Okay, so we're called to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. One of the places that teens hang out quite a bit is Snapchat. And Snapchat has a lot of disappearing information, which is hugely problematic, especially uh, if there's uh, perpetrators or, or different things like that. So now the question isn't if we can use Snapchat, which a lot of dioceses are just like, no, death to Snapchat. New technology is scary. Run for the hills, right? But the question should be, how can we share the gospel on Snapchat? Because right now, the only way to effectively do that is if you are not a trained ministry leader and not involved in the Catholic Church, and then you can go share the gospel on Snapchat, no problem, right? <laughs> yeah, which means our Protestant brothers and sisters are out there sharing the gospel on chat, Snapchat. Right, and th- it also means that there's a ton of garbage on Snapchat, and it's, a, it's the wild, wild west, and it's not a safe place. So how do we bring some light to that darkness? And, and right now, it's, it's hard. So I think the first thing you need to do is to pray. I mean, we need to submit it to the Lord. I mean, literally, like Jesus, uh, baptize Snapchat. We need your help in this area. But then the next piece is to actually advocate, to be specific. Like most of these policies exist for very good reasons. And some of them have stories behind it that would get you to be like, I didn't know that. And I am willing to stand on one leg for the rest of my life so that that never even comes into our diocese again. Do you see what I'm saying? I think Mm -hmm. that we'd be quick to be on board. But then we need to ask the question, how, not if. You know, can I? No, how can I? How can I engage in Snapchat? Or how can I uh, use text messaging with with my youth or with the minors? And once you get to the question of how... They, they, they get, the dialogue changes. It's like, okay, now we're both trying to solve this problem together. What technologies are out there that exist to help people? What do teachers use? You know, te- a lot of people talk about remind.com or remind.org, whatever that remind um, app is. And different teachers have figured out how to navigate it. What if we use some of those in our ministry setting because it's worked well for the schools? Yeah. And what you're, what you're saying is really good because they do all the don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do this. You know, this leads to that and all that kind of stuff. But then they don't show you what ministry looks like in that environment. And so you could leave there thinking, oh, I can't do anything personal at all with these with the youth that I serve ever. And the diocese advocates, you know, in, in for small groups and says small groups, you know, in our homes or in the homes of the students are good things. But I can't do that because of this, this, and this, and this. And so it almost seems like there's conflicting policies, you know, there. That it's like, wait, you're saying it's okay for me to do small groups um, at my house or, you know, at uh, the youth's house with appropriate adult supervision. Um, But you're also telling me all of these other things. And I don't know how those work together. Right. Um, And so so they need to show us, you know, how those work together. For example, okay, you're over at someone's house, right, doing your small group. They have their parent there who's safe environment certified. You're there as a non-related adult that's also safe environment certified. And so there's two non-related adults present at this house that have been there before any of the teens arrive. Great. And now the older brother comes home from college because he's just going to do his laundry, but he's 19 years old. And he's not safe environment certified, but it's his house. And now all of a sudden there's a violation. Or the neighbor stops by for a cup of sugar and comes in which is a great living witness of like, this is how you treat your neighbors. But 
That neighbor, who's not even Catholic, by the way, also isn't safe environment certified, and now they're in a room with some teens, and now it's a violation of the uh, safe environment policy. Yeah. How and do so you? The ministry, the ministry leader is like, what do I do? You, you can only Run lose. Run outside, kids. Run outside. Yeah. yeah, and and so what do you? Yeah, what do you do in that situation? Okay, the lawyer said that you guys need to be in a different area. So now we're gonna go. I'll shut you in a room. Right. But we need two adults to be shut in that room. So now my neighbor's digging around for the sugar on their own. I I don't know. I just don't know. It's so hard. And so then you just say, okay, then we're going to do our small group in in, in circle chairs in the gymnasium that's available. And we're going to have three groups meet in the gym at the same time. And they're all going to be talking. Some are going to be praying while others are going to be doing the icebreaker. And it's a hot mess. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, and, yeah, and then like I just thinking about that, I know that I've been in situations like that where I was just terrified, you know, or my adult leader, you know, and this this happens. My my co leader gets there late, you know, or shows up right on time. Well, then you've got three teens that show up early. Yeah. So then you're like, hey, mom, do you mind sticking around for a little while? But then that mom's not even EIM certified, so you're like, well, it's better than nothing. Right. You know, might as well have two adults here and then then not, you know, or I end up sitting like the mom just drive by, drops off the kids and runs, you know, and then I'm stuck there with two kids. It's like, OK, well, let's go out front. We're going to go sit in the front yard out in you know, the open. Um, and, and all of this is ministry out of fear. And I think it's appropriate, you know, in, in some points. Um, but it's it sucks that that is the the like the first thing that a youth minister or ministry leader is thinking of is how do i cover my butt you know cuz that's like most of the time that's what it is um, cuz most of us i mean let's say 99.9% of us you know aren't trying to find a way to manipulate these kids and so the, it's just completely making us think of something completely different rather than how I can minister to these kids. It's how can I cover my butt? Right. And, and I don't mind the hurdles that come along with it because if those hurdles exist to weed out that 0.1%, the, pre, the predators, totally worth it. Absolutely worth it. What's challenging is the scenario you, you, you gave. The mom dropped her kid off and kept on going, not because she was trying to get rid of her kid, but because she trusts you. That trust already exists, and a policy says, well, that mom's not safe environment certified yet, and so maybe she's not trustworthy. <laughs> maybe she didn't have <laughs> a three hours on a Saturday afternoon. Maybe that's what happened, you know, but, but all of a sudden it, it, it creates a situation where, well, why haven't you gotten certified yet? Don't you love kids enough to sit through this workshop? I know, <laughs> I know other people who haven't gone to the workshop because they have been abused themselves in the past. And it's traumatic for them to go through that experience. Now, in our, our diocese, all it takes is a phone call to the, to the safe environment director and some dialogue about it, and they can get the exemption and just read and sign the handbook policy. Like, there are yeah. ways around it, and I think that that's beautiful. And I hope that exists in every diocese, but I know that some people's experience is like, I can't even make that call. I cannot serve because I was abused in the past and cannot sit through a video that brings up that reality for me. Hey, I didn't know about that exemption. That's really cool. Um, we need to go back to a previous podcast that we where we had someone on and put a note on there with regards to this because we didn't say that last time. That's a really good exemption. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And, and that's where I'm saying, like, they have hearts, people. The people who are responsible for implementing these policies have hearts. They do. Yeah. They, they also might have law degrees. 
but they they have hearts. And so so what do we do? So now we have to talk specifically about the how, not the if, but how can we make this happen? How can we engage teens via cell phones? How can we do that? And uh, and then when a solution is found or an exemption is made, suggest that the policy be changed or amended to reflect this. I myself have been a a, a test pilot for a let's try it this way to where we have two people on this uh, on this social media app together. They both have the login, and every week you guys are checking in and making sure everyone has viewed each post. Both adults have viewed each post. And then we also did it on a parish purchase cell phone to where all the data, everything, it was a parish number. The phone did not belong to me or to the, uh, to the other adult. It belonged to the parish. So it was actually a parish phone that was used for the interaction, which meant that they could go ahead and pull up the, the log and see everything as well if they wanted to contact the service provider as the owner of the cell phone policy. And so we created the situation to where we were able to navigate uh, reaching out into that wilderness of texting teens or engaging teens uh, via cell phones and things like that. And it was awesome to be able to work with the diocesan director for the safe environment for it. But it, it was nerve-wracking. I was like, I just feel like I'm going to get shot down, but I feel like I have to. It was in my heart to share this. Like, we have to go and reach and meet the teens where they're at, meet those that we serve where they're at, the lost and the lonely. Yeah, and I'm doing you know the same kind of thing on a different policy, at least for, for my team, um, because there's a, a driver's policy you know, at the diocese that you can't drive unless you're over 25 or a you can get an exemption if you're a diocesan or parish employee between the ages of 21 and 25 but that's one of the things that i'm in dialogue with the diocese on and the the beautiful thing of it was hey yeah let's talk about this you know it wasn't a oh no we're never going to talk about it um so that's what i like about about our diocese now maybe there are some dioceses that just shut you down across the board but that hasn't been my experience now, let me just say real quick, I think that uh, if the policy rhymes, it's at least a good start. You can't drive unless you're over 25. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, how, how do you, who wants to fight that policy? That's so catchy, you know? So well, we were going to do 23, but it didn't rhyme. And so we moved it up to 25. I'm like, I, I can appreciate that. So, um, well, I mean, you're free once you're 23. Doesn't that work? Oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it. So here. Here's the, here's the takeaway. I want you guys to know that adults are not the problem. They are the solution. Adults are not the problem. They are the solution. And so let's advocate for change in an area that desperately needs it so much. Let's advocate for change. And sometimes that advocacy just – I'm having a stroke over here. <laughs> I was going to let it go. No. Taylor's going to mess me up with that one. Hey, sometimes that advocacy – means that you're advocating not that the policy changes, but rather that it's more clear. So, okay, we're not allowed to engage in this way. We're not allowed to engage in this way. And yet when their hearts are hurting, how are we supposed to comfort them? You know, I, I would love to see a, a safe environment uh, section when side hugs are not enough. Yeah, when someone's, absolutely. When someone's father passes away or when someone's brother doesn't come home from a war and you're there, they, you, you can offer a side hug and they turn into you and they, they hold you like they're falling, you know, like they just, yeah. they hold you like they're falling. And if you just side hug, they hit the ground and we cannot, <laughs> we cannot let people down like that. I'm serious. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. Like, like I, I think about Christ and some of the, the, the sacred art that we have. And if we could, if there's a talented Catholic creative out there 
change all the sacred art that you're familiar with, you know, the, the, the return of the prodigal son and change it all to side hugs. And let's see how that art lands, you know, <laughs> like that'd be, that'd be a profound commentary on, uh, on some of the safe environment policies. With that being said, I would be uncomfortable if a ministry leader turned a side hug into an embrace with my child in, 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 in an inappropriate context, you know, Hey, it's really good to see you. And then there's this squeeze and then the squeeze like is sustained. I'm like, what's going on? And how about a high five next time, buddy? You know? And so, (laughs) and so it's, I can't have my cake and eat it too, but there's gotta be something tastier than what we have right now. And we need to advocate for that. Amen. If you guys need some help with um, how to advocate or what kind of things to advocate for, that's a great um, thing to use our Facebook group for. Search for MLA Podcast on Facebook. Excellent. Okay, Matt, any other thoughts, concerns? What a weird transition. I was supposed to transition to the exit, Chris. Well, (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. I cannot find where that tab is on my... uh, (laughs) I can't find you it. You schlub. You don't even have it memorized. I don't have it memorized. No, I'm I'm so passionate about this right, topic. Guys, you can send feedback to MLA at ablazeyouth.org. Share this podcast with someone. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, you go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders, pray for your diocesan leaders, and think about ways that you can advocate. Not ways that you can get around the policy. I want to end with this disclaimer as well, but ways that you can help make the policies better through advocacy, a ministry Christ has called us to. We'll see you all next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. Chris, we did it. I'm a schlub. You're absolutely right.